0: Hello, I'm Pauline Jennings. Welcome to Musician Talk. My guest today is the award winning Rob Meany, a Minneapolis based singer songwriter, pianist, and guitar player, best known as the leader of the jazz prog rock quartet, Terramara. His music has been used as soundtrack for international and national TV shows. And over the past decade, Rob has released a solo album and Tara Mara has released three albums of original songs, garnering critical acclaim and a loyal following among smart pop lovers worldwide. It's time to learn more and talk with Rob Meany. Welcome, Rob, to Musician Talk. Finally.
1: Yay! We did it.
0: <laughs> Yay, yeah, exactly. Sick. I think I postponed this four times <clears throat> for one reason or another, mostly my health. Um, and so here we are, and thank you so much for your patience and your flexibility.
1: I really appreciate it. it. To it. Thanks for having me and following
2: on us.
0: Well, I'm really excited to start here with your musical journey. Uh, you know, if you could just start with when when you first remember music being interesting to you or when you first remember starting to play an instrument or sing?
1: I guess the earliest memory I can think of is that uh, I think somebody gave me a ukulele. (laughs) Maybe I was six or seven and I just loved that thing. And I played the heck out of it and tried to entertain people. So I think I kind of had an itch for that from the get go. And then uh, I think the neighbors had a piano and uh, we didn't have a piano when, you know, early on. So I was just sort of intrigued by that. And I really, really took to the piano more than anything, any other instrument I'd ever encountered. Uh, I, I never had any lessons. So I was like, Hey, can you just show me how to play this song that you're playing? And I'm, and they were just like, literally just play the chords and I would follow on and try to do what they did. And I learned how to play like Mandy. And so after a while, my parents realized that uh, I was actually pretty interested in piano. So they got me lessons and my grandparents had an old grand
2: cool. and
1: we moved that up to my house, our house in Duluth. And um I started taking lessons. Another funny little story about the piano is, uh of course, we went to a, a church up there, French River Lutheran Church, and I would always... uh want to stay after and just play the piano because we didn't have one at that point and i would even do is come back later and like sneak into the piano during the week or <laughs> sneak into the church during the week and play the piano i mean that was how much wow. i really to play you know and so i took some lessons and mostly classical i started to you know really dig the classical music at that point which was kind of weird because most kids my age were, were listening to, you know, a lot of pop music and rock and stuff. And I was carrying around, uh, you know, Chopin <laughs> records and Beethoven. How old, How old were you at this
0: point? How old were you at this
1: I was probably in middle school. Got it. High oh. school. You know, I was reading, I was reading, reading biographies of like Bach and Beethoven. <laughs> I was kind of weirdo. That's
0: great because that's such a time in your life when peer pressure is so important. And you just, you just bucked all that. wet with the classical stuff, I love
1: it. I think that's why I sort of got drawn early on to like progressive rock and Mm -hmm. um, jazz. I listened to jazz and um, that's kind of where I'm coming from. Got it.
0: Having, the drive, it sounds like you had to play piano, learning classical is so great because that kind of just, like I said, sound, sets the foundation for anything really that you want
1: to play. I think it gives you more of a rich vocabulary yeah, to work with, it. musical vocabulary. And yeah. so you can do what you want with that. I mean, you can still write very simple, elegant songs or you can do something really crazy, you know, and and you you can find like where that fits with your project, you know.
0: Right, right. right. So, okay, this was middle school. Were you involved with the bands at school at all?
1: Yeah. So, uh you know, at school, of course, uh, they kind of push you to start playing some kind of band instrument. So I picked cornet or trumpet. And um of course, everybody wants to play trumpet. So then they're like, hey, buddy, do you want to maybe... Do uh, French horn because we need French horn players. Right, that's hard instrument. I, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do I'll do French horn. So I switched over to French horn. I became like the the main French horn guy, and then I played in jazz band because they needed. I was at a very a small high school. It was a two two harbors high school.
0: Oh, okay, got it. Yeah,
1: so we had a very small class, maybe 150 people, and maybe 400 in the whole school. So, they, you know, everybody had a chance to do everything they wanted to do if they if they, you know, decided they wanted to play in jazz band. Well, hey, we need a bass player. So I learned how to play bass. They had a bass There was I'm, I'm just going to learn how to play bass and then I can play in jazz band. All oh, those teachers knew who to go to. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, they kept me busy. I tell you, it was uh, I did. I swear half my day was doing like music stuff, which was really fun.
0: Yeah. That's terrific, and it's great that the that the teacher saw that in you and knew that you could probably handle learning a new instrument.
1: From it. Yeah, they were very uh, encouraging. I was I was pretty happy in that environment. I think I think it was uh you know I had some good mentors. So, so
0: playing all this music in high school, then um, was it on your brain that this is what you're going to do
1: for a living? I think I wasn't even thinking about a career. Sure. But I knew that I liked music a lot and wanted to do it. So mm-hmm. I guess I was sort of planning to continue my studies, you know? So yeah. I, uh, you probably know I went to Saint Olaf College. So yeah. I started, started doing piano lessons again. And I got in, I did the band with French horn and jazz band with piano. And, uh, the interesting thing there was I just couldn't find, uh, my niche. I just couldn't see myself in a traditional uh, music path, which so many, of you know, so many people that I was going to school with really, uh, you know, if they're doing music, they're going to do either performance or they're going to be a, a band director, choir director, education. I just wasn't feeling it. And, and at,
0: a, at a school like St. Olaf, rather than, you know, rest in peace, McNally Smith, when you say performance, does that kind of, are you pigeonholed into performing kind of, classical stuff or
1: with an orchestra.
0: It's just not, I mean, there's just not that many schools out there for people that want to play contemporary music.
1: Exactly. And uh, you know uh, that, that was probably why I I just, I, I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do, you know, Um, in a way, I sort of reached a dead end there and I, uh, I actually dropped the music major and finished with an English major, (laughs) which is super helpful
0: well, it, songwriting, uh, it can help that.
1: No, no. <laughs> obscure references in your songs. Of course. Yeah, I jo- I'm joking. But, you know, uh, those This humanities majors are always uh, a little tough sell when you're looking for a job. But yeah. um, I got to say, I, I really enjoyed St. Olaf. I got a good education. I met a lot of really cool people. You know, my son is going to St. Olaf. So I got done with there and I was like, okay, uh, I don't know what I want to do. So I'm going to go to Japan for a couple of years.
2: Of course.
1: Yeah. So, right. (laughs) Doesn't everybody? uh, So there was a group of us, actually a small group of, uh, of friends from St. Olaf. We just, hey, we all kind of decided to do it. And, um, in some ways I was able to use my music to teach English.
2: Because, oh, okay. I,
1: I, you know, I brought my guitar and I played at church and I played it, you know, I played piano and and uh, taught people how to sing English songs. Yes. That was sort of a tool. So I, I was able to continue doing some music over there. But when I came back, I really, I guess I'd have to say I almost sort of just gave up on doing music. Um, wow. Sort of, yeah, I just sort of said, you know, I got to find a job, you know. And so I kind of. Kicked around doing some corporate type jobs. I did some PR jobs, writing, um, you know, marketing. But after a while, I was kind of feeling the itch and I, I went back and I got, I bought myself a keyboard and I started to look around for some bands to play in. So I started playing as a side man in some local bands. Got it. First, like a cover band, then, then a friend of mine had a, original band I played in that and then I started to uh think, well, you know, why can't I why can't I write some songs? You know, I hadn't really started writing songs until like after college. Wow. So I was kind of a lay bloomer in that respect. I started um started writing songs and I thought, well, I mean I I kinda can sing. I wasn't like a big singer, to be honest. It, really? I, and 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 part of this of course is that I was extremely shy. And so I didn't want to like get in front of people and sing. It just, uh, you know,
0: there's something about singing that makes people more vulnerable than playing an instrument or, I mean, or people that play instruments, it seems like sometimes have so much anxiety about singing because you feel so much more vulnerable. I don't know what it is.
1: Yes. No, you feel, you feel very self-conscious about your voice, you know? For me, I I didn't feel like I really had a strong voice, but I did feel like I had some ability to write songs, and so I went with that, and I started to put together a little at this point cassette tape (laughs) of my songs, and then I would like send that out to people, and I like I took out an ad in the city pages if you remember that back in the day we didn't have internet's and uh, get people interested via an ad like, hey, do you want to be part of my project? This these are the songs we're gonna do. And so I started um my band Tiramara back in I think it was ninety eight, ninety nine, through the City Pages and I recruited a a bass player, a guitar Ooh. player, drummer. We played some we played a lot of shows and started thinking about recording an album. And um I found a producer I gave him our demo and because I felt like, you know, that was sort of beyond me to, to how are we going to record this thing? You know, and I found this guy, uh, Ken Chastain, who really, uh, became sort of a good friend and a mentor to me in the local, you know, music community. And he shepherded us through recording our first album, which we did at Pachyderm. Nice, nice, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had some connections down there, he so we went in there for a weekend and awesome. hammered out ten songs, and we got done and uh and we we put it out, and nothing really happened, <laughs> 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 yeah. so, you know it's sort of one of those things where uh we're super good at like doing our songs, but then we just dropped the ball i just I didn't do any marketing or I don't know, I didn't know anything about the music business, so I was just kind of clueless
0: i think steve and i have had this conversation a hundred times i mean particularly steve but well he does so much more music than i do you know getting that getting that band started getting the members getting the music it's all so exciting and it drives ahead and it drives ahead and then you have that cd and you got to get gigs it's like well who wants to do that work
1: and who knows how to do it right like you feel like oh man where's the fun and like you know getting out there and doing all this promotion and right trying to get in front of people and sending out press releases and blah. blah, blah. at that point it seemed like that we were losing steam and and people were getting anxious and they didn't you know the dream was not emerging so uh i think half the band quit uh and then i had to sort of recruit uh a new bass player a new guitar player and I, I got to say at that point, I, I really got lucky because, uh, I, um, I got Carl Koopman on guitar. Not and,
0: only is he an incredibly tasteful, wonderful player, he's such a good person. I mean, he's so man. kind. He's just kindness embodied us,
1: you know, he's just a great guy and a great musician. I mean, it's just so, he brings so much to the project, so much creativity and, uh, and like you said, just, uh, just some really, tasty playing i mean somebody told me yeah everything that carl is involved with he just makes it better you yeah know? i would say the same thing about my other guys too my drummer dave thomas went to saint olaf as well he's he actually has been with the project since almost the get-go so i have to give him praise for just yes he's an amazing player too and uh we're still playing and, and then I got James Towns on bass. Uh, and so this is the permanent lineup now. This is, this is from 2006 on. So we did that second record with a different, um, bass player, but then James came in. And so then we did the third record with those, with that foursome. So we did a total of three Terra records officially over about a 10 year period. And, you know, again, it's like you you feel like you get some momentum going, but um you plateau somewhere. And then it's something you have to sort of either go, you know, 100 percent in where everybody's just like, this is what we're going to do with our lives. And you just sort of have to go on the road or find, you know, management or whatever. And I just don't feel like we ever and myself included, I didn't feel like I was in a place in my life where I could do that. Yeah, I was married and I had you know young kids. Uh, I just wanted to keep it going, but I, I I wasn't. I guess I wasn't willing to give everything. To, well, you
0: know. and that's a risk, and it's a bigger risk when you have a household um, that you're partially responsible for. Because mm-hmm. even if you put a hundred percent in, and no matter how great all the players are and the music is, it's still luck is a huge part of it.
1: Yeah, it's it's one of those things too where I I, I felt like because of the music that i was writing i was a little out of sync with what was going on in the cities here <laughs> okay yeah in what way we weren't really a bar band and we weren't really playing the style of music that is popular around here um, do you think or- now
0: it's different i mean currently in the 2020, 2020s is do you think it's different
1: it's evolved in a different way. It's like, I don't think we're ever going to go back to where, like, you know, I kind of put myself in that sort of jazz rock, prog rock, sort of overly sophisticated pop sort of genre. And I don't know if that's ever going to come back, but I think what we're seeing now is like a global sort of dance pop sort yeah. of genre. I mean, rock itself yeah. has kind of become a smaller niche. Oh, interesting oh uh even that seems to be taking a backseat to some other genres and that's all good I mean people's tastes change you know you just sort of have to see if you still can find a find an audience I mean I feel like there is an audience for this music it's just you sort of have to really dig to find those people and sure. a lot you know, some of our biggest fans are over in Europe. I don't want to pigeonhole us either. I mean, I think we've got a lot of appeal, I would think, to just people who like just good, you know, good pop music, you know.
0: Well, the two songs we're going to listen to today certainly, I think, would appeal to a wide, wide audience. They're they're so appealing. And this first one you're going to play is called Beautiful Circles. And going back to, you know, you're not being a, a singer, thinking you weren't a singer. Wow, you really did a great job training yourself because your voice is beautiful. And not only that, your range is incredible. So oh. um yay on that, that that worked out for you. After <laughs> you decided to start singing, you actually had a great voice. Take us through, first of all, your process of writing a song.
1: I am a music first guy. Okay. okay so I'll sit down at the piano it's usually at the piano and uh I'll start messing around with some chords that's what I've always done I just sit at the piano and noodle around
2: nice
1: but if I'm if I'm in the mood to write a song I will mess around with some chord changes until I find something that I really like and then I think okay I'm going to try to sing over this I'm going to try to sing a melody and so I'll just sing garbage words um until I find a melody and then finally, I'll say, okay, I like that. Now I'm going to fit some actual lyrics to this melody. And so the the words have to fit the phrasing, and it really comes down to that. So I'd, I'd have to say the music is always on top of my priority list. And then if I can get some good words that fit that, that, that comes last. At the same time, I have to say I, I do... Take the words seriously. Like I, I want to. I want to write something meaningful, and that's something I've grown to appreciate over the years. Like I think early on, I wasn't as like my my words maybe didn't have as much depth. But when you get older, you have more experiences to look back on, and so you start uh, writing a little more from the heart.
0: It seems to me, watching your stuff on Facebook, is that you you write quite a, often. And i don't know how prolific you are, but how do you make the decision that you're going to record a song? I always find this so fascinating because you might have a hundred songs sitting there which one which one's good enough? How do you decide
1: yeah that's a really good question because um you know I want to record everything i want mm. to, i want to finish <laughs> every song that I start, but i don't have time and i don't have the energy so I do sort of Um, self-edit and I I think okay well which of these really sounds like the strongest idea you know musically and again not even considering the words just
0: what does that mean the strongest what what uh, does that mean
1: something just really that I feel is catchy or if I feel like it's like it has some energy I would pursue that to the end uh, that's why I hung on to this beautiful circle song. I, I just felt like, okay, you know, I liked where it was going, but I just never finished it. And so I just took that out of the coffers and I said, okay, I'm going to finish this dang thing.
0: I love this song. It's so, it takes you on a journey. It really does. And so let's talk about this a little bit before we play it. Tell me the story behind the song. Somehow, some way I heard there's something about alien abduction. Going on
1: here. Uh, uh, I uh, I hope you weren't expecting to hear that I was uh, abducted, but um, I'm so glad you are not
0: <laughs> You weren't. I mean, uh,
1: I'm always looking for something unusual to write about because you know I've been doing this for so many years. I I get a little tired of writing about lo- uh, love relationships and falling out of relationships, and you know,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> um, this one I started thinking about how conspiracy theories are such a big part of our culture and in a, in a not so good way, like there, some of them are just, there's just a lot of misinformation and a lot of conspiracy theories that people actually believe and they act on in their personal lives. And it's really sad and it's really not a good thing. It's disheartening. Yeah, so I, in some sense, I I wanted to get inside that world. I wanted to find out. Okay, so what what would it be like if I was a person who actually believed in aliens that were they were going to come down and they were going to scoop me up? And so I I sort of wrote this idea of this person they want to uh, be abducted, and they place themselves in the at night in a cornfield waiting for the uh, alien craft to emerge it's just sort of a friendly encounter with an alien. Maybe maybe it's a good thing. Maybe maybe we shouldn't be afraid. So I, I guess that was the story.
0: I wouldn't mind being on an alien ship. I'm a total sci-fi person and I totally believe there's life out there, but I don't believe that people are secretly and nobody knows about it <laughs> being abducted and then returned. I think we'd <laughs> all know about that if that was happening. Right. <laughs> just, just saying. <laughs> Um, Before we listen to this, also, um, why don't you give us a rundown of the musicians involved in the song?
1: I brought in Carl and Dave and James. I guess it was at the end of the pandemic when we started talking about doing it, but there was just no way to connect, you know? So we kind of had to pioneer a new method, and that's where I started recording over here. I'm not a recording engineer, but we we made it work, and then I got James over here, and then Dave... And I went to a studio to do the drums. To Do yeah. the drums, yeah. and so in a sense, it was all piecemeal. Wow! And I had this massive Pro Tools session with all, all the tracks, and I delivered that to my favorite producer, mixer guy Andy Townsend, and said, "Can you mix this and make sense of it?" You know, and that's where the real magic happened. In some way, he came in. And he turned it into this musical journey that you're talking about. Like he, like, it wasn't all of one piece. Like it just sort of, it was smoldering and then it sort of trailed off. And then also we come in with the Terramara, you know, vibe. We got the rock guitars and the, you know, the, the drum kit, and then it builds, you know, and then there's like this massive keyboard solo, which I never do keyboard solos, but I enjoyed finally pulling one out for this for this track. And there's a lot of like spacey vibes to it. It's just, it's kind of magical how it all came together, to be honest. I don't know.
2: <laughs> wow. Don't know we did it, but.
0: You know, I was thinking that it sounded like there was different movements when I was listening to it, 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 it and to, to what you're speaking of. Uh, it just builds and builds and builds. And then yet, yet during the song, there's times when it comes back down. So it's, it really is a journey. So let's take a listen to Rob Meany's new single called Beautiful Circles. And here it is.
2: and see ground.
0: This is Pauline Jennings, and you're listening to Musician Talk. You just heard Beautiful Circles, a new single by my guest today, Rob Meany, along with uh, uh, some friends from Taramara, some players from Taramara who played on it as well. Some of my notes from the son- listening to the song, epic, is one word. <laughs> it's totally epic. You have the line in there, the message is so clear. And I just, that made me think of your, your voice is so clear. You have a very, very oh. pristine sounding voice. I like it. And that your range is incredible. And I don't know if you have some, uh, any cello players that came in sound like cello, or maybe that's just Carl <laughs> on the guitar because he could make it sound like anything.
1: Yeah, it, it could have been. There was a lot of guitar parts and a lot of keyboard parts. Um, and so uh, the, a lot of textures. Yeah. It, it all melds together, but yeah.
0: All right, so we've talked about, a little bit about Teramara, and you guys play here and there, uh, but most of your gigs are
1: solo gigs. I've been doing mostly solo gigs. Uh, you know, it's um, it's hard to get the band together. Uh, I mean, we're we're coming into a period where maybe we're going to be a little more active now because we have new music and we have a little more momentum to do the the band gigs. Uh but yeah mainly I do a lot of solo gigs there's a lot of reasons for that I I think it's a lot easier to yeah. just book yourself Yep um and you know you talked about vo- vocals and voice and stuff this is a way for me to keep my voice in shape in some ways it's just kind of like a workout you know <laughs> Right
0: <laughs> you know, you mentioned guitar, and I—I didn't hear it. in all of your story, your journey, you didn't say when you picked up the guitar, and that not only do you play it, but you play it well to perform with it.
1: Oh well, thank you. I—I—I <laughs> I, I don't consider myself much of a guitar player, uh, but I've been trying really hard to uh, <laughs> make that a better a part of my uh, musical life. I—I I did start back in high school, but I really didn't spend much time on that. I guess it wasn't until ten years ago that I actually bought a decent guitar and acoustic and then actually writing on guitar, which after you've been writing on piano for so many years, it's like guitar offers like a whole different like approach, you know, because I don't know how to play it as well. I've come (laughs) out with like different songs, like different sounds different. And so I started, I think my first guitar songs were on this last record, this solo record that I put out, the Ferris wheels Unbound." Um, well, I'll leave that to other people to decide whether that's what that sounds like. If it, if it sounds, if it still sounds like me, or if it sounds like some other artist, but uh, lately I've been running a lot on guitar. Yeah, nice that you
0: have another tool to use for that. Yeah, um, and uh, at the end of the show, we will talk about where to find uh, Rob's music and his gigs, so that you can go take a look, listen to that album, and see what those guitar songs sound like. We're going to move forward here to the quote. And this is Peter Gabriel, because both these songs remind me and uh, some of your singing reminds me of Peter Gabriel. And I bet it's somebody that you really respect.
1: Absolutely. Huge fan.
0: This is the quote right here. Watch out for music. It should come with a with a health warning. It can be dangerous. It can make you feel so alive, so connected to the people around you and connected to what you really are inside. And it can make you think that the world should and could be a much better place and just occasionally, it can make you very, very happy. And that was Peter Gabriel. And boy, he says so much there. <laughs> it's a great quote. And I think the dangerous thing is a little uh, tongue-in-cheek in that, oh, watch out, you might learn something about yourself kind of vibe. Uh, but maybe not. Uh, there's so much there. So what what comes to your mind? On, what pops out of that quote to
1: you? It really speaks to him as an artist. like He has fully embraced the responsibility of 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 his power you know cuz mm-hmm. uh, I, I i really look up to him as an artist not only for the great music but the fact that he's so socially conscious and he's really getting behind some great movements some ways that we can improve our society and you know improve as people it's what you strive for as an artist is you want to be you want to be dangerous maybe you know and you want to be able to reach people, and it's a very powerful thing if you can do it.
0: There's the part in this about creating change, maybe in our culture and society, maybe politically, uh, through music, which has been done throughout the ages, probably since the beginning of music. Music connects to your emotions, so you might hear it differently, maybe allow an idea into your brain that you wouldn't allow in if it didn't come through music. Also, there's this part of the quote about being dangerous and coming with a health warning, because you might learn something about yourself. And so was that different? This probably is different for the musician playing the music, as opposed to the audience listening to it. And how how do you think of those differences?
1: It's a two way street, you know, you, you put out some, you put out some vibes, you put out some songs, and you see how it affects people. And then you, it it does change you uh, as a person, you're, you're like, Oh, wow, I didn't really think of it that way. I mean, these songs take on a life of their own,
2: ah, you know. Yeah. Once
1: once they leave the station, uh, people have totally different ideas about what the song is about and what it means to them than what you intended. Right. I, th- I think that's one of the craziest things is like they might interpret it totally differently depending right. on their experience and what and what's going on in their life. Right. And um, in fact, sometimes the sometimes the words not even aren't aren't even that important it's just the the overall vibe of the song and the time that they were listening to it in their right. life
0: and also the collectiveness of it um at, at times and and you might have a room full of absolutely opposed people politically um absolutely opposed on social social agendas or social issues and yet you can be in a room and all sing the same song together and feel the same thing kind mm-hmm. of, and share that moment. And yeah. if we can share that, if we can share that, couldn't we figure out a way to share all the other stuff too? Yes. <laughs> I mean, and maybe music's the key. I
1: don't know. Touched on a very, a very important thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: All right, Rob, okay. we got to keep moving here. And I want to uh, introduce the people to Cover of Snow, which also is a really beautiful song the song is very sweet and yet it's still very big. And I'm not sure if it's that, that snare hit that does it, but there's a (laughs) bigness to it that, uh, that I really, really love. So um, story behind this song, what do you got?
1: Okay. Okay. Well, this one, this one is an interesting, has an interesting backstory because um, at the time I wrote it, I, um, I was invited to be part of this contest uh, it was, a, it was a songwriting contest, you had to write a song in 36 hours. So, they invited us, um, to write on the topic of snow, okay. And we were assi- that was our assignment, you and know, was your prompt. Yep, you go home, you write a song, complete it in 36 hours, and you come back down to the Bryant Lake Bowl and perform it. So, it was all very, very quick. It's uh, yeah. It's, uh, down and I thought, how am I going to crank out something of quality in that amount of time? But turns out I worked well under a deadline. So nice. you know, nice. it's, it was weird because it was like, uh, wow, maybe I should do this more often. You know, I'd get more done. I think the reason it worked is because of the pressure. Um, you, you really, it focuses your mind and it also makes it so you can't stray into a lot of crazy avenues. You just write a very simple song and it kind of fit the lyrics too, because it kind of fit with the vibe of uh, snow and winter and silent, stark environment in the winter. What really helped was maybe just adding strings. Okay, That kind of created a, a different vibe to the song. And that was kind of the fun part is working with a string quartet on this. I had the Laurel string quartet. Record. I was
0: wondering if it was live because it certainly didn't sound like pads on a yeah. synthesizer. Yeah. Nice. Oh, that's what, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> nice. so I, I put that in there and uh, I had the Terramar guys play as well. And as you can see, they, they can really uh, approach any song with the right attitude and the right vibes. So they were able to put down some really tasteful, parts on that as well.
0: Another word I thought of when I heard of it, heard it was expansive. Kind of makes you feel like you like your chest is opening up. People have heard me say this before on the show. There are some songs that do that where you feel like you're just opening up. And I well, that felt like this song did that for me. And we'll talk a little bit more about it after we listen to it. So here is Cover of Snow an original song written by my guest today, Rob Meany.
2: sound.
0: talk and I'm your host Pauline Jennings my guest today is Rob Meany, and you just heard a recording of his original tune called cover of snow again your your voice is really beautiful and in this one uh I really felt like your voice was emotion filled like you were telling the story I really could grab onto the story because of the way that the intonation and the emotion that you put into your voice we're going to at the end of the um, interview tell people where they can listen to that again okay listen to that again and beautiful circles all right here we are we're kind of getting toward the end of the interview this is the time for best gig worst gig all what right. do you got what do you got for me
1: <laughs> well uh let's start with uh best gig um and this and this is it's hard to narrow down to one but I mean, <laughs> when you have That's a, good yeah no it's good it's good to have more than one good gig right yeah. um there are a lot of bad ones let's be honest <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this one I would say uh, at top of my list are the CD release shows you know for each CD you have a big show and you put it on and you're like invite all your family and friends and mm-hmm. all your fans you get everybody in one room and there's a lot of love there yeah and you feel like you've really accomplished something accomplished something and you've mm-hmm. reached a lot of people so I would say you know Ferris wheels, unbound. We had, we were down at the ice house. We had a string quartet. We had the Laurel string quartet. They're backing me up. And then we had a bunch of musicians. Um, uh, It's just very memorable, you know, and I, I look back on those and it's like, yeah, I wish I could do that every week, you know?
0: Right. Right. I mean, you have not only all the love, but you have all those people that want to hear your music. I mean, they are there to hear your music, right? Yes. And so, what better not audience could you call Not have?
2: always the case. Not always exactly. Person, right, <laughs>
0: <We're>, right <laughs> where every, pretty much every single person in that space is there because they like your music and they love you and all yeah. that. And yes, that is a it's gift. Very,
1: it's very nerve wracking to be in that situation. Like I'll do I'll do cover gigs, and I'll just like I, I'm I'm just swinging for the fences on these songs I don't really care what uh, if people are listening or not but then you get in that situation where every it's all your stuff and everybody all the eyeballs are on you and you're like oh my gosh I got to really step up here you know and so you want to put on a good show for for in that situation I think when the stakes are heightened the payoff is heightened as well right yeah,
2: yeah.
0: all right worst gig what is
1: worst it gig okay well <laughs> I got a story for you on this one. So we, uh Terramara, we were booked at a show on July 3rd. So it was like a, a day before the big holiday. It was the Bloomington band show. Okay. So we're outdoor gig and we we're, they're like, yeah, this is going to be great. You're going to be slotted in at five o'clock. We're going to have a band before you and you are from five to six. And then we're going to have another band six to seven or whatever. You know, they had like a whole lineup. Right. So, We get there, we set up, starts to look a little threatening, the Uh weather, right? Okay, so we're like, okay, well, we'll just watch it, you know, we'll be fine. We get up there to start playing. I kid you not, as soon as we start playing, complete downpour. Oh, no. Complete rainstorm, just washed it out. Everybody left. We were on stage playing (laughs) because we're dry. Because you're covered, right? we covered. We look out, nobody there, everybody left. (laughs) Everybody with like one super fan right the with their umbrella yeah he's like <laughs> completely drenched enjoying himself but that was just the one guy and then by some miracle we finish our set sun comes out of
0: course <laughs> and so all good. those people that were sitting in their cars hoping that would be the case came flooding back i bet came
1: flooding back and on uh, the next band started setting up and i'm like great Wait. that worked out perfectly for us that was uh <laughs> Thanks, everybody.
0: The good, the good news here is that it's the worst gig because of weather, not because anybody's performance or or somebody didn't show up It had nothing to do with you.
1: That's yeah, good. That, those are always the nightmare scenarios, right? Uh, if somebody doesn't show up. That's what I have nightmares about. It's like I, I, I didn't, I, I don't, I'm not ready. I didn't get my, I lost my equipment. My car broke down. Whatever you've got, you know, there's a million of those scenarios.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. Okay, Rob, it is time for you to tell us where people can find your music and your schedule. I know that you have, people get your pencils out. I know that you have a gig, a couple gigs close by here in May, beginning of May, May 5th at Barley and Vine in Lakeville and the 19th uh, at 10,000 Drops in Faribault.
1: If I could add one more to that. Yes, please it do. Just, it just came up and I thought it might be of interest in, and that's Mother's Day, That's that's May 14th at cannon river winery down nice near So that is from 10 to 2 it's kind of weird hours 10 in the morning at 2 i'll be at cannon river winery uh one of my favorite places to play down there
0: wow when that will be on your on this on your schedule on your website and his website is really beautiful and easy to use very intuitive you have no problem finding everything finding anything there and what is the site exactly
1: so that is just Robmeany.com.
0: And it's M-E-A-N-Y. And Rob with one B. That's so, right. So, okay. Excellent. And you all your shows are there. A lot of your music. I don't know if all it's all there, but boy, there's a lot of music there. For free, people.
1: You really can't download a lot of it for free. All we're asking is maybe join the mailing list. I've started making a lot more uh lyric videos and just videos in general on YouTube if you want to find our music there. I did also add all of our catalog to uh, Bandcamp. Okay. You look us up on Bandcamp. And that one offers, you know, a really high quality digital downloads in any format that you want. So that's some people like that. Some people are old school. And so, yeah. They
0: still listen on a stereo as opposed to their phone, where it just doesn't make much of a difference.
1: And we do have CDs available if you want to go even more old school. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Rob, for, again, your flexibility in getting this, finally, um, getting this interview done. I'm so very happy to meet you. And thank you so much. Take care.
1: All right. Bye-bye for now.
0: Many, many thanks to Rob for sharing his incredible music and musical insight with us today. Thanks always to Wendy Nordquist and to you, dear listener, for tuning in to Musician Talk on The One. KYMN. Have a terrific day.